If you have a Bible, you might like to turn to Genesis chapter um, 12, because I'm going to read from there as we begin. I, um, I, I really hope that what I offer today is helpful. When I read this book that I've based this series on, I, I found it really challenging and really deeply quite helpful, which is why I decided we'd do this series. Um, I guess my slight fear is that it touched the, something in me and it isn't going to touch something in you, but I hope it does and I hope it's helpful. Um, what I'd encourage you to do as we, we think through today is don't get sidetracked solely on thinking about the big decisions in life. I realized as I was writing up my notes that it might come across as like, this is only for the big stuff. Well, it is for the big stuff, but it's for the everyday open door opportunities that you might have. Things like going and speaking to someone at coffee today, which you might find really difficult. And you suddenly find yourself standing in front of someone you don't know. That's an open door opportunity for you to start a conversation and walk through a door. It's that. So think of it at that kind of level as well as the big decision level that we have to make in life. Because I think the danger is if we only think about the big stuff, we'll miss maybe what God wants to do in the everyday. Does that in any way make some sort of sense? Okay. Because I... I realize, you know, you can be sitting there thinking, well, I don't have any major decisions to make at the moment, so this is all irrelevant. Well, I don't think that's true. And I think that this is about the little steps as well as the big ones. So I'm going to read Genesis chapter 1 um, through verse 5. Sorry, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to verse 5. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and, and whoever curses you I will curse. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Well, I think open doors can be scary, certainly scarier than closed doors. Um, open doors involve mystery. That song we sang, which we played last week when we walked through the pool and did communion, could well be the song for this series. Take me into waters where it's a mystery. Walking through an open door is, involves mystery. We don't know what's going to happen the other side of the door. We cannot know what's going to happen the other side of the door. We might have some ideas about what might happen behind the door, but we cannot know. So take the thing about the conversation. You might think that person isn't going to reply. Then you might find you've got loads in common and you make a new friend. It's that kind of dynamic, isn't it? All the big choices we've ever made have involved the element of the unknown, haven't they? Have you ever made a decision where you absolutely 100% know what's going to happen now you've made that decision? Probably not. We can never fully know what we're getting into when we make decisions about walking through doors. And perhaps that's a good thing. Friends, have you ever got to the end of a day and thought, gosh, if I'd known what I was going to get into today, I'd never have got up this morning? That happens to me about once a day. 
We would mostly like to be sure of what lies ahead, wouldn't we? We would like to know, and lots of people try lots of things to figure that out. They read things in the newspaper that are going to tell them what's going to happen. Why would you want to know? That's the question I want. Because Perhaps one of the reasons God doesn't tell us is that he's gracious because... Because in his wisdom, he knows that we wouldn't want to go where he wants to lead. (laughs) When I came to Crawley 26 years ago, if you'd said to me you'll be in Crawley in 26 years' time, I'd have said categorically that I wouldn't. I only moved here because it was closer to where Lisa was finishing her studies in Sussex University, and it meant I didn't have to drive as far to see her at weekends. If you'd have told me I'd be the minister of Crawley Baptist Church at 26 years, I would have laughed in your face. It was never part of my thinking. Do you remember that game we used to play when we were kids? You might have called it various names. Hide and seek. We used to call it block. Do you remember those games? Some of you people go off and hide and someone has to find them. And the person who's doing the finding would eventually at some point say, Coming, ready or not. Do you remember that? And they always got to 100 when they shouldn't have. Well, we can learn perhaps some things from Abraham as he stood before an open door in Genesis chapter 12. And perhaps the first thing we'll learn is that mostly we are never ready for open doors. God says ready or not. Mostly things in life have a habit of saying ready or not, don't they? Do you remember that thing about getting married or having kids? (laughs) If you waited until you were ready, you'd never have done it. Think about all the things in life you haven't been ready for. When God places before an open door before someone in the Bible, they never appear to be ready. Moses responds to an open door by saying, I've never been eloquent and I'm slow of speech and tongue, send somebody else. Abraham thinks he's too old to have a son if you read on from the story. Jeremiah thinks he's too young to be a messenger. Isaiah thinks he's too sinful. Esther thinks she's the wrong sex. No one, it seems, responds to an open door by saying, okay, I'm ready. And I was thinking about that, possibly with the exception of Mary, who says, be it to me as you have said. God, it seems, has a habit of turning up with open doors when we are not ready. No one is ready for Jesus' birth, and his closest friends are not ready for his death. This isn't supposed to happen. God turns up and says to Abraham, go. And ready or not, Abraham is given the opportunity of an adventure with God that might just be the beginning of a most extraordinary journey. In all the stories in the Bible that you read, the ones that I've read and the names that I haven't read, there is always one who is ready. And maybe that's the point. Abraham, Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Esther, the Jews, you and me may not be ready. But perhaps what matters most is that God is ready. Perhaps we're not meant to be in charge of being ready. Perhaps we trust that to God. And what we believe about God is absolutely critical. 
Take me into the mystery where feet may fail. I am yours and you are mine. Maybe the challenge for us is that we don't need to be afraid of what happens the other side of the door because no matter what, I am fully loved by God. Someone once challenged me with this question, Ian, what's the opposite of faith? And perhaps the most common response to that question is doubt. He suggested that the opposite of faith, however, is certainty. Because if you're certain of something, there is no room and no need for faith. If there is certainty, there is no room for faith to grow. Open doors bring uncertainty. They, bring a, they offer a place for faith to grow. And what God desires most, remember, is that you and I will grow into magnificent people in his image. There's a verse in Acts 15, 28, which I love. It says this, As the people are trying to decide whether or not to include Gentiles in the faith in a radical way, which is a bit of a test, wasn't it, for the church. At the end of the discussion, it says this, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good. The future of the Christian faith and who's in hinges on this decision and it only seemed good. And this is interesting because it only seemed good Not just to the people, but to the Holy Spirit. Get your head around that one. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Maybe most of the time, friends, that's as good as it gets. You don't need certainty. Problem is, you probably never get certainty. Because it's in the uncertainty and in the wrestling that we grow. When God places an open door before Abraham, there is huge uncertainty. Not least because God in his wisdom doesn't tell Abraham where to go. He just says, go to a land that I will show you. It's like saying, get in the car and drive. How would, how would you deal with that? Or maybe the question should be, how are you dealing with that in your life? John Ortberg in his book notes that there are two parts to God's go. There is the going from and the going to. Going from, from Abraham, for Abraham, is leaving everything that is familiar. Everything that has shaped him. It is to leave home. For Abraham, this is a big ask. Because if you read the text a bit earlier on, they originally lived in Ur. I love that name. Would you call a town Ur? Anyway, Ur. I once had a boy in a class of mine, and some of you will, this will go right over your heads. But there used to be a program on the TV, I think it's still there, called ER, right? Emergency Room. Came up to me one day and said, Sir, 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 did you see that really good new program called Ur? <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay, Jamie, let's sit down and talk about that. You can't miss the point. But here is Ur. Ur in 2000 BC was the place to live. Nobody left her for a better life or a better place to live. 
And yet he was to go, quote, to the land I will show you, which turned out to be Canaan. Canaan was everything Ur was not. Nobody was going to Canaan for a better life or a better place to live. But open doors are the opportunity to put our trust in God and to trust our future with him. And open doors in God's kingdom are not always the doors that are obvious to us. Perhaps the challenge of the open door for Abraham was that he would have to die to beliefs and attitudes he'd held for a long time. Perhaps open doors help us loosen our attachments to things that get in the way of us growing. I think the open door of Malawi helped me there, to be honest. I was genuinely worried that I would have nothing to say to brothers and sisters in a completely different context and situation to me. I prepared as best I could, and I was truly amazed at what God was able to do. The truth is, I would have taken any opportunity not to go, because I feared I couldn't do it. And in fact, when we started talking about it, I'm thinking, I'm going to let that one go. I'm not going to bring that up about a conference in Malawi. That's just going to go and drift off over there somewhere. I had to trust that even if I wasn't ready, then maybe God was. And Philip is smiling. (laughs) Because I'm sure you felt the same. And we saw the same things, didn't we? I I was worried about my reputation as a preacher. And I had to trust God with my name. And I had to trust God in a new way. God makes Abraham promise that he will be blessed and that he will be a blessing to others. You know, God always desires to pour out his blessing on us. I believe that to be true. And we always want God to pour out his blessing on us, don't we? We want to be blessed. Who doesn't want to be blessed? I wonder how much of our time we spend trying to figure out how we get God to bless us in whatever way we happen to think God should be blessing us. However, it is completely and only God's responsibility to bless. You have to leave that to him. And it's safe in his hands, and we must be content to leave that with God. When Abraham walked through the door, the open door of opportunity... He would also have the opportunity to be a blessing. That is always true of open doors. Remember, it might be something I do enjoy doing, but that is never the main point. Open doors are always an opportunity to bless others. That conversation over coffee today may just be the only conversation that person has today, and you will have been a blessing. How many times do we send cards from Body Talk? We do it every time we sign cards. And every time we sign cards, somebody comes back to us and says, thank you, it's just nice to know I wasn't forgotten. Just by signing a card, you get an opportunity to be a blessing. How are you doing, friends? Friends? 
I sometimes think we miss just how things, how God's bigger and better story with his people is about blessing other people. We tend, I think, to read stories in the Bible in a way that we think everything happens instantaneously. And sometimes it takes a long, long time. Do you know there's 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New? And it would appear that it's 400 years in which nothing happens because it's not written about. And yet we live in an increasingly instant culture, don't we? If we can't have it today, we don't want it. We love instant. We don't like waiting. I really, 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 really don't like waiting. I have to work really hard if I get in a queue. If you ever see me in a queue, don't join it because it will be the longest one. <laughs> Always. We're going up to Coventry yesterday and I've got my marker cars in different lanes to try and figure out if I'm going quicker than them or they're going quicker than me. And, and just as a very spiritual discipline, I now don't change lanes. I'm try- I'm, seriously, I'm trying to learn the discipline. I'm not getting stressed. Why does it matter if I've got three cars out of that car? And yesterday, I watched the car. We, I pointed it out, didn't I? Oh, he kept changing. He never got any more than one car in front of me. It must have been ten miles going. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm going, see, I'm much more spiritual than you are. <laughs> I won't tell you which minister of the, in Crawley it happened to be. No, that's a joke. It wasn't a minister in Crawley. Oh, I really don't like waiting. Maybe, you, maybe that's something you struggle with. But the story of Abraham's adventure with God through an open door takes time. God's promise is a new people of God which will be started through Abraham and Sarah. The trouble is, the Bible tells us, Sarah is childless and unable to conceive, that Abraham is 75 years old and that Sarah is 65 years old. In fact, if you read the story of the beginning of the nation of Israel, the first three married couples in the thing are all childless. And you're wanting to go, what's God doing? He says he's going to start this great nation and then there's no children. Well, maybe something about it's only God who brings new life. We have to rely on God, can't do it ourselves. Perhaps Abraham and Sarah, we don't know this, but perhaps they've been praying for a long time for children and nothing, because in that culture they were you know, really important. The only way they can go is by faith. They have nowhere else to go. Hebrews 11, verse 8 and 9. By faith he, Abraham, made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. By faith. If you're going by faith, brothers and sisters, you're always a stranger in this world because your home is in God. Hebrews 11, that lovely passage, Hebrews 11 verse 11. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Age might be an excuse for us not to go, but it's not the same problem for God. 
In the same way, the storm on the Sea of Galilee was no threat to Jesus, the King of the universe. So our excuses are not a threat to God. So we keep going, however long it takes. Sometimes my guess is it might be an unknown future that makes it difficult for us to go through an open door. And if we're going to go, we first have to leave. Terah, Abraham's father, doesn't go with Sarah and Lot on God's great adventure. At least the text doesn't tell us that he did. It just tells us that Lot and Sarah went, so we assume Terah didn't. Terah, it appears, went from Ur to Haran and stopped there. Haran was much like Ur. And perhaps Terah chose the comfort of Haran rather than the open door. Perhaps there was an open door before Terah and he said, no, I'm not going. Leaving the comfort of what we know can be a huge challenge. But perhaps Terah missed out on the adventure of God's bigger story because he chose a different door. And he chose to stay where he was. And remember, going up and speaking to somebody after a service can be something we find really difficult. We're going to have to leave home to do it. We're going to have to put ourselves out there and walk into mystery. Abraham said yes to God's open door. And Abraham's yes was enough for God. I read this in this book by John Ortberg, and I I think it's absolutely fantastic. God is doing something magnificent in this world. When a door is opened, count the cost, weigh the pros and cons, get wise counsel... Look as far down the road as you can, but in your deepest heart, in its most secret place, have a tiny bias in the direction of yes. Cultivate a willingness to charge through open doors, even if it's not this particular door. Oh, I think that is so good, I'm going to read it again. God is doing something magnificent in this world. When a door is opened, count the cost, weigh the pros and cons, Get wise counsel, look as far down the road as you can, but in your deepest heart, in its most secret place, have a tiny bias in the direction of yes. Cultivate the willingness to charge through open doors, even if it's not this particular door. And there's a mistake we can make when we look at Abraham and think of him in this context. And it's to think that he is a spiritual giant. You don't have to be a spiritual giant to walk through open doors that God has placed before you. You probably only need to get the one thing right, which was the one thing that Abraham got right. The truth is Abraham got many things wrong. If you know the story, Abraham lies about his wife, not once but twice. He tells the king of Egypt it's his sister because he thinks the king of Egypt will fancy his wife and take his wife and then kill him. It's kind of a selfish thought. So he lies about it. When the king finds out, the king says, you can't do that, that's not right, she's your wife. And he gives her back, plus a whole load of stuff. 
He does it twice. He is not very confident that God, the one who told him to go, will protect him. And when Abraham's given all this stuff by the king of Egypt, he just says, oh, thank you very much. He doesn't attempt to say, no, 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 that's not right. Oh, cheers, mate. And he does the same thing later in a different place. When they can't conceive a child, Sarah suggests a way through the problem. Have a child with Hagar. And Abraham says, oh, worth a try, I suppose. What kind of a man is this? And actually, the truth of that and the tragedy of that, if you study history, is it brings trouble then, and that trouble still rumbles now because that's the Arab-Israeli conflict. When God tells him he will have a son, he laughs. One of the lovely things about the name Isaac is it means laughter. It's one of the reasons why we chose it. He gets a lot wrong, but God doesn't give up on him. And the one thing Abraham gets right is that he doesn't give up on God. And in the end, it's not the quality of Abraham's faith that matters, because at best, that's ragged. What matters is the object of his faith. What you think about God is absolutely critical. Abraham, through it all, kept the door of his heart open to the God whom he followed. And here's a truth that keeps coming back to us. The true hero of this story is not Abraham. The true hero of the story is God himself. God invited Abraham to go, ready or not. And Abraham went. One day the father called his son and said, go. Leave all that you know here in heaven and go to the people I love. You'll have some trouble. You'll eat with tax collectors and prostitutes. But some will be really excited that you've come. You'll touch the lepers. You'll go to the blind, the sick, the lame. You'll go to the hopeless. Then one day you'll go to the cross to bleed and die, to forgive the sin that entangles and destroys. Then you'll go to a tomb. But the tomb won't be able to hold you and it won't stop you. And on the third day, a stone will be rolled away and the world will be blessed with great joy. God, the hero of the story. He still says, go. And when we say, yes, 